We're in the midst of a prayer series called Drawing Near When God's People Pray, and we're looking at a number of prayers in the Bible and reflecting on what these prayers can show us about how we can pray and also more about the Lord. Tonight we've come to 1 Kings chapter 3. We'll be reading a prayer from King Solomon tonight. We'll read 1 Kings chapter 3 from verse 1 to verse 15. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there, there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all of his court. This is God's word for us tonight. So I assume you're all aware that there were some elections last week. Probably are. Leading up to the election, though, I'm not going to talk about the election too much tonight, but people developed very different pictures, very different narratives about the candidates at all levels. For a number of the last few weeks, it felt like every time we went out to the mailbox, we'd get two or three or sometimes a dozen flyers on this race or that race. And I thought it was interesting how you could pick up these different flyers, these, ad- these advertisements, and make, they could make one person sound so great and another person sound so terrible. I remember one day I picked up the mail, and there was a flyer with a nice color photo of one of the representatives. I think it was a state race, but I can't remember for sure. But there was a description about how this person just loved the average guy on the street. 
just loved the average person, how she would fight to fix everything wrong with our state, how she was the great and shining hope for the district. And then I put that flyer down, and I picked up another one from her opponent, and all of a sudden, that first person, that first candidate, looked awful. They had this terrible black and white photo with this expression of this just evil-looking lady on it. And there was this text just screaming, this person hates everybody in the whole wide world. Everything they do is stupid. Don't vote for them or the world will end. Now, I'm exaggerating slightly, but actually not all that much for how bad some of those advertisements got. But you had these two stories, these two things about the same person. In one, they looked like a hero. In the other, they looked like a villain. And if we're in favor of a particular candidate, we like to tell the story in a way that there's nothing bad about them. And if we're against them, we like to tell the story in a way that there's nothing good about them. But often with most people, and even most people in government, there's a mix of good and bad. Real people are complicated. And King Solomon, King Solomon was complicated. We could tell the story of his life in a way that he would look like a great hero, like maybe the greatest king that Israel ever had. And we could also look at his life and tell the story of this huge fool who led God's people astray. We have good Solomon. We have bad Solomon. And they're the same person. And in this prayer for tonight, as we explore it, we'll see good Solomon and we'll also see bad Solomon. But really, as we come to prayer, isn't that how all of us come? Often we go to God with great intentions and great plans. We're doing our best to serve Him. We believe that we belong to Him and we pray sincerely. But then at the same time, we sometimes ask for stuff that just doesn't really fit with God's plan. Sometimes we go from prayer to doing things that really are not pleasing to God. Sometimes we're just not as focused on God as we could be. So we come to God with this mixture of good and bad, just as Solomon did. And so tonight, we'll start by looking at good King Solomon, then we'll look at bad King Solomon, and then we'll look at the best king. And all of that will show us some things about how to pray and also about what we know about the Lord. Let's talk about good King Solomon first, the good king. First King tells us that Solomon walked according to the statutes of his father David. It tells us that he offered many, many sacrifices to the Lord. And Solomon seems to have been committed to the Lord. He follows David's path. He's King David's chosen successor. He expands the kingdom of Israel. He brings it greater peace and prosperity. Last week, we read from 2 Samuel how David wasn't allowed to build the temple of the Lord. But as 1 Kings unfolds, we see that Solomon, Solomon is the king who gets to build a house for God. Solomon is a good king. And we see here in verse 4 that he goes up to one of the traditional places where people worship the Lord, and he offers a huge number of sacrifices. And then it seems like he spends the night out at that place. And in the ancient Near East, if a king really wanted to hear from God, he would do exactly that. He would go to a place where the God was worshipped, he would offer a number of sacrifices, and then he would wait all night to hear from the Lord God. So Solomon is doing everything right in that verse to hear from the Lord. He is putting himself before God and saying, God, please come and speak to me. And the Lord responds. 
the Lord comes to Solomon and he invites him to make a request. And good King Solomon shows up here again. Solomon doesn't actually begin by making a request. He doesn't begin by saying, God, please give me this or give me that. He begins by saying, God, thank you. Solomon begins by giving thanks. He gives thanks for the Lord's kindness to David. He gives thanks for the Lord's kindness to Solomon, to himself. And he gives thanks to the Lord for his kindness in choosing Israel. Israel out of all the nations to be God's people. In this prayer, Solomon looks back and he gives thanks to all the promises that the Lord made to King David. The promise that David would have a descendant on the throne forever. And Solomon also looks back at the promises that the Lord made to Abraham when he said that he would make Abraham into a great people beyond counting, beyond number. And Solomon says, thank you for that. Solomon is rehearsing hundreds of years of the Lord being faithful to his people. He begins by giving thanks. And only after that, only after that does Solomon make a request of the Lord. And did you catch what Solomon actually asks for? Did you catch that? We usually think that he asks for wisdom, but that's not actually quite what he says. In verse 9, Solomon actually asks for a discerning heart. He asks for a discerning heart so that he can distinguish between what's right and what's wrong. And if you translate those words literally, what Solomon actually asks for is a listening heart. Solomon asks for a listening heart. The Hebrew behind those words is lev shima. Lev shima. Lev means heart and shima means to hear. And you may have heard that term before because it's what the Israelites' basic confession is called. That phrase in Deuteronomy 6 that gives a fundamental identity to God's people in the Old Testament. The Shema is the phrase, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's a phrase that the Israelite people used and still use today. They've used it for centuries and centuries as their fundamental confession. That phrase is at the heart of who God's people in the Old Testament were. And around that verse in Deuteronomy 6, around that verse, there's calls for Israel to obey the Lord, to hear what the Lord teaches, to obey His commands always, to follow only the Lord. So when Solomon asks for a listening heart here in 1 Kings, he's basically praying that the Lord would make him able to keep God's commands. Solomon is basically praying, Lord, please make me obedient. Now when we think about this story, we usually think, yes, Solomon asks for wisdom, and we think that he's asking for a personal attribute. We think that he's saying, God, please make me really smart. But if we think about what Solomon actually does in this prayer, he gives thanks for God's work with David. He points back to God's work with Abraham. And then he links that confession to the fundamental, he links that prayer to the fundamental confession that Israel should hear and obey the Lord. So Solomon is not praying, hey, God, make me really smart. He isn't praying for some generic knowledge or wisdom. He's asking specifically, God, make me able to listen to you. 
God, make me able to obey your commands. This is Solomon basically praying, Lord, make me a godly leader. Help me to be someone who follows your will in everything. And naturally, the Lord is really pleased with this request. Basically, Solomon is saying to God, God, make me the king you want me to be. And so the Lord agrees. He says he'll make Solomon into that kind of person. And what's more along with that, he'll give Solomon riches and honor. Solomon will have no equal among the kings of the earth. This is good King Solomon. And his prayer in many ways is a model for us. Just like Solomon prayed based on God's promises, we too can pray based on the kindness that God has shown his people over and over and over again. When we pray, we can begin by giving thanks for the Lord's faithfulness in our lives, in the lives of our ancestors, in the lives of his people going centuries and centuries and centuries back. When we celebrate a baptism and the extended family gathers, that gives us an occasion to see, to have a picture of how the Lord works faithfully from generation to generation to generation. And so when we pray, we can begin by giving thanks. And along with that, we too can pray for discerning hearts, just like Solomon did. All of us can pray that God will make us able to hear and obey him. All of us can always pray for a greater understanding of God's will and for a greater ability to live out that will. All of us can pray just like Solomon did. God, make me who you want me to be. God, make me able to follow you. And when we pray that to God, he is always generous in granting our request. When we ask God to help us obey him, he helps. So in your prayers, ask for a discerning heart. Ask the Lord to make you obedient. Ask the Lord to show you what his will is and how you can live it out. Now we could just stop at that point with good King Solomon and we'd have a nice hero story, a nice story about this great guy and a great prayer and how we should be like Solomon. But if we did that, we'd be missing a huge part of the story. So we also need to talk about bad Solomon tonight, about the bad king. And it's not just that Solomon started out good and then over time he went bad. From the very beginning, Solomon was this complicated mix of good and bad. At the beginning of his reign here, as we read, he's seeking the Lord. He's making the right prayer requests. But at the same time, he's making all kinds of political and religious missteps. I thought about beginning our reading for tonight with verse 4 when I was first looking over it this week. And that's the part where Solomon goes up and he offers sacrifices and God speaks to him. And if we start there, Solomon looks pretty good. But I think the text wants us to start at the beginning of chapter 3. And do you remember how verse 1 began? Let's go back. Let's take a look at that again. Verse 1. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Now, this particular part of 1 Kings doesn't trumpet this, 
But there's several condemnations of Solomon wrapped up in those verses that you see come larger and larger and larger over the course of Solomon's life. First, Solomon makes an alliance with Pharaoh. An alliance with Pharaoh. And this is a problem. If we think back over the early parts of the Bible, Egypt was the land of the oppressor. Egypt was the place where God's people had been brought into slavery for centuries. And God had set them free. In Exodus, he brings them out of Egypt. He frees them from the powers of the world. And he brings them to be his people. And what is Solomon doing? Solomon goes right back to Egypt. He gets the people all tangled up with the power of Egypt again. So even here, very early in his reign, Solomon is turning away from just trusting in the Lord, and he's playing power games with the oppressor, with one of the great enemies of God's people. And second, there's some hints here that Solomon put building the temple way too low on his priorities list. Verse 2 says the people were still worshiping at the high places. So they were going out to these traditional shrines, to all these places here and there and everywhere. And for the most part, it seems like they might have been worshiping the Lord. But the problem with that kind of decentralized worship is that it often slid into worshiping other gods. And as we read over the course of Solomon's reign, he keeps bringing in more and more political alliances, more and more wives who bring their own gods along. And he doesn't really deal with this worship at all the high places that becomes more and more the worship of other gods. More and more over the course of his reign, bad Solomon comes to the fore. Solomon sought other power instead of God's power, and he didn't prioritize the worship of the one true God. So when we read this text, there's a lot to rejoice in, but there's also, there's also sorrow and incompletion peeking around the edge of this text. In verse 14, there's this line, and if, if you will walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, all of these good things will happen. If. And if you know Solomon's story, he didn't obey. He didn't get rid of the high places. He didn't get rid of the other gods. He didn't really hold on to worshiping the Lord God. So in the prayer that we read for tonight, Solomon asked for all the right things. He asked that God would help him discern what's right and what's wrong. He asked that God would make him able to govern God's people. And then Solomon goes morally blind. He can't tell what's right and what's wrong. And instead of leading God's people in the right way, he gets them all tangled up on all kinds of wrong paths that lead them away from the Lord. In the end, Solomon is a failure, just like pretty much all of the Old Testament kings. So that question at the end of Solomon's prayer in verse 9 is haunting. It's haunting. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon realizes that he's not good enough. He asks God for help, and still he turns away and falls away. Solomon, a lot of good things about him, but he wasn't good enough. In the end, Solomon was just another bad king. And so we need a better king, and so we look tonight toward the best king. And the best king is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus is the answer to that haunting question in verse 9. And Jesus is the answer to Solomon's prayer here. Jesus is the only one who can truly govern God's people. Jesus is the king who knows what's right and knows what's wrong. So when we pray, we can pray for discerning hearts, but we shouldn't think that on our own we can get there. When we pray, we should look for these things to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In your prayers, don't just say, God, give me this thing, but go and say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, in the name of Jesus, give me a discerning heart. When we pray, we can ask God to show us anew how we're in need of grace. We can ask God to help us recognize our sin and our weakness. And by the way, if there is one thing that even we Christians are good at, it is neglecting to recognize our own sin and weakness. One of the things that we need to pray on a regular basis is, Lord, show me what I'm really like. Lord, show me what I'm really like. In our prayers, we should recognize our weakness and our sin, and we should confess our sin over and over again because we continue to sin. But we shouldn't stop there. We should go on and pray that because of the work of Christ, that God forgives us yet again. And in Christ, we are forever forgiven. And then we should pray that God would heal us from our weakness. We should pray that God will make us able to follow him. We should pray that God would give us the power of Jesus Christ to make us clean. We should ask that God would truly govern us and make us able to see what's right and what's wrong. Even when we're doing our best, we can't really do what's good. Even when we go to God and we ask for the right thing, far too often, we don't really mean it. Or we go to God and we ask for the right thing, but we say, but don't give it to me quite yet. Or we go to God and we ask for the right thing for the wrong reason. There are all kinds of ways that our prayers go wrong, even our good prayers. And so we go to God and we say, God, help us. God, make us truly able to hear you. All our prayers have to run through Christ. Nothing else ever has been or will be good enough. But in Christ, God wipes us clean. He makes us better. When we were sick, God made us well. When we were dead in our sins, God brought us to life. Baptism is a reminder of this tonight, that for all of us, God has brought us through the water of death to life. God has brought us through the water of cleansing to eternal new life in him. And so more and more, our prayers should focus on Jesus Christ and should focus on God's work on our behalf. I feel like with just about every one of these prayer ser sermons that I do, I end up saying something like, not in my power, Lord, but in yours. Not my plan, Lord, but yours. Not my will be done, Lord, but yours. That's a hard prayer to pray, but it might be the most important one that we can pray. We don't understand a lot about the good and the bad in our lives. Often we don't know the right thing to do, but we can always go to God and pray, Lord, 
not my will, but your will in me. And we do trust that our Heavenly Father is able to deliver us from all sin and evil. We trust that in Jesus Christ we have the best King, the forever King, who gives us hope that doesn't run out. And we trust that in the Holy Spirit the Lord really does give us listening hearts so that we can hear and obey. And so again in our prayers we throw ourselves on God's mercy, we throw ourselves on God's plan, and we ask that He continue to be kind to us, His people.